0: You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 48 of our show, where we discuss the latest news about Apple, iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and more. We're recording on Thursday, December 24th, 2015. I'm Mikey Campbell, and with me today is Apple Insider Managing Editor, Neil Hughes.
2: Hey, how's it going? It's going good good
1: great also we have the polarizing dan dilger
0: good morning from good morning from portland
1: portland i hear it's raining out there
0: it has been non-stop yeah well it stops occasionally but it rains a little bit every day
2: nice. non-stop except for when it stops exactly it
0: stops occasionally yeah it's like a <laughs> non-stop train that has problems
2: <laughs>
1: That's a interesting a locomotive analogy, Dan. All right. Well, we had a bit of news this week. First up, we should probably talk about a rumored high-resolution audio format to be debuted sometime in 2016. Uh, this is probably going to be realized through Apple's lightning port, uh, but Neil, what do we know about that so far?
2: It makes sense on a lot of levels. I mean, you've got to think there's going to be some sort of a carrot-and-stick approach if they're going to get rid of the 35 millimeter headphone jack. It would be very easy to say, well, we got rid of the headphone jack, but here are all the technical reasons why, and it's not just to make your phone thinner. It's because now by eliminating it, we can guarantee that the audio is going to be of this quality, whether it's connected via Bluetooth or lightning or something like that, uh, some sort of new standard that they would be capable of doing. I still don't believe that they're going to get rid of the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack next year. I think it's too soon. But uh, one of those things that's kind of inevitable that it's going to have to go. And so I think this would be a good reason to do it, to have some sort of high res audio that you can only get with uh, lightning connected headphones or something like that. Yeah,
1: right. So Dan, you wrote this story. What, do you, uh, what did you uh, learn about the um, potential plans that Apple has in motion?
0: Well, we've already seen for the last couple of years, it was WWDC, was it 13 or 14? It was a couple of years ago when they showed what Lightning was capable of doing and kind of intimated that they would be supporting new peripherals like headphones directly through Lightning and allowing things like fancier, high end, higher end digital analog converters in the microphone itself or in the, the headphones itself to allow you to reproduce better sound than you could expect from little earbuds that ship with a phone. And what Neil's saying is interesting because um, if they took the the port off the bundled microphones, the earbud microphones would have to be lightning connectors, um, which sort of makes an interesting. On, on the cynical side, it's sort of a lock in that Apple's changing headphone jacks to only work with their stuff, and they've kind of done <clears throat> a similar thing with the new peripherals, the new stuff for Apple TV, um, both the remote that it ships with and the. Peripheral um, uh, made-for-iPhone-licensed game controllers. A lot of them have lightning connectors. They also have that on the new um, iPad Pro Pencil. So they're using their lightning connector a lot.
2: And the Magic Mouse, too, and the uh, the new Apple keyboard as well. Yep,
0: trackpad. So they're using kind of across the board. It kind of looked like maybe they were going to switch to USB-C, which is kind of a similar form factor. Um, But they're really doubling down on lightning and using it a lot of places. Uh, Another reason for taking off the headphone jack is that we've seen Apple making this sort of progress towards waterproofing the iPhone. There was a kind of uh, almost a secretive step with the 6C models in terms of like rubber gaskets and things and, and building it so that it can actually get dunked in water. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's destroyed immediately. But to make progress on that, it seems like the headphone jack is one of the the most difficult things in addition to taking a volume inside the thing and uh, contributing to thickness. So there's a lot of reasons to get rid of the headphone jack. Like Neil said, it's not clear whether they could do it immediately and, and pull it off without a lot of complaint. But Apple's done that kind of thing before in a way that other companies haven't been able to do. So yeah, it's possible.
1: I mean, when, when you see people using their iPhones, do you how many people are, or what's the percentage that you see that are using either Apple's, you know, included ear pods or uh maybe like a beats setup?
2: I see a lot of ear pods, definitely, on the train. Uh most people seem to be using I see people using ear pods with like Samsung phones. <laughs> that's I mean, sad, everybody that's is sad. Yeah, well, I mean they're just so like ubiquitous, you know, it's just everybody gets one with their iPod or with their uh, with whatever, it just comes in the box, and so everybody's got a spare pair laying around, and they just seem like the, the go-to defaults for a lot of people. I know. It I may feel... also
0: be kind of hard to tell, because a lot of Samsung stuff looks... That's true, that is true. after Apple's, so it's kind of hard to tell. But I think, I think, obviously, most people are using what comes in the box with it. People yeah. that are upgrading, they're more likely, specifically iPhone users, are more likely to buy a higher-end thing that has a Lightning port on it, if that's available, and if it's in the store... And if it's, you know, Apple's selling its own Beats and there's all these other brands that are doing it, the Philips and JBL. And so I think for, if you looked at different vendors and their ability to get rid of a a jack, obviously Apple's at the top of the list. Um, I think there's still a lot of people that are going to freak out about it just because it's something to freak out about.
2: Yeah. What I wonder is how easy would it be for a headphone maker that sells like high-end headphones, for example, like I have a pair right now, I'm wearing a, a, a Master & Dynamic, right? And they're $400 headphones, but the um, the wire that connects from the headphone to whatever I plug it into is removable on both ends. So how difficult would it be for a company like that or uh, some other high-end headphone maker? to sell something that is 3.5 millimeter on one end that plugs into the headphones and then lightning on the other end to plug into you know a new iPhone or something like that. How easy would it be to upgrade legacy headphones to work with new devices?
0: It would be super easy. Um, yeah. I think that we think of lightning as being sort of like USB, but it isn't really. It can be USB, but it can be a lot of other things. And mm-hmm. a- among the things that can be are um, it can have video output, it's just like a the old dock connector, um, except instead of having thirty pins that some are reserved for audio and some are reserved for power and some are reserved for audio uh, video and different video signals um, I think what Apple's able to do with the eight pins that are on that there's eight on each side is when you plug it in it decides it it talks uh, with the, the peripheral to decide what kind of um, pins it's using for what yeah and so it'd be trivial to have a you know regular headphone jack that you just Plug into an adapter, and I think if Apple came up with, or I think if Apple shipped the phone without a jack, they would have to ship it with a jack mm. I mean, to Lightning connector. Now it's it's interesting
2: that you say that uh it does video. Or actually, they probably sell
0: it for twenty dollars separately. <laughs> twenty nine. Yeah, right. Exactly.
2: It's interesting <laughs> that you say it did video out though, because I've I've heard since the switch to Lightning, for many people um, who are upset that. They used to use, like, you know, these high-end treadmills that they have at the gym, which have a 30-pin connector on it. And they used to bring in their iPod or their iPhone with video on it, and they would be able to even stream Netflix over the video out to whatever screen was in front of them or videos they had saved locally on their iPhone. If you buy the 30-pin to lightning adapter, that does not support any form of video out. Yeah. So, uh, and that ticked off a lot of gyms that spent a lot of money on equipment that had, you know, lightning connectors and stuff, or I'm sorry, 30 pin connectors and stuff like that, that no longer works. So, I'm not as familiar with the video out capabilities of lightning just because, um, I've never used it, but I've heard complaints from people who's saying that it's not backwards compatible with 30 pin.
1: Yeah. I think the, uh, the software, right? Dan, I'm not, I think you, I think you're probably, uh, more knowledgeable about this than I, I am, but, um, I had the impression that for video out and um, video processing, it has to be compatible on both ends. So that means you need the, uh, you, you need the encoder in the um, adapter itself, or you need the hardware where you're streaming it to, to be able to process that, right?
0: Yes, I think you're right. So what I'm saying is, um, I believe Lightning supports video out, but it's not the same video out. Mm. Right. And if you remember with even with dock connectors, they they changed it a couple of times. Yeah. So at one point it was I think it was composite and component video. And then they changed yeah, it right. to something more like HDMI. And that broke a lot of peripherals because they just changed how it worked. Um so yeah, there there was a transition so things that didn't work or used to work don't work, and there's not a, a simple way to um bring the functionality back. And I think Apple is really working at um, streaming. That's what CarPlay uses and um, right. AirPlay to Apple TV. So It's either wireless or it can be wired. Um, so they're, they're continually modernizing how they deliver video but it's something that's there. It's not like um, like most Android phones have a USB port on it. It's either the new USB-C or that really wacky USB wide thing, connector. Um, and that's just digital. There's not, mm-hmm. there's not analog signal on it.
2: So you gotta you gotta think that if we're going to if we're going to a, a future with no headphone jack, it's inevitable that we're gonna get a Mac with a Lightning in port on it, right?
1: Or Lightning, just a Lightning Lightning port.
2: That's yeah, what I mean, like would, a Lightning female, so you could plug in headphones.
0: Kind of surprising that they didn't do that.
1: Knowing, uh, well, I don't know. Considering the latest designs, it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be Lightning port like directly in the middle of the keyboard or something.
2: <laughs> Well, since Dan brought up uh, USB-C and the new small USB-C connector that you can get on the 12-inch MacBook, I mean, they both do kind of the same stuff, but USB-C has more bandwidth and is more openly accepted. Lightning is Apple-specific and you have to license it and all this stuff. I mean, I guess do we see Lightning being a port for uh, accessories that are dependent on a device, whereas USB-C is a port for powering and charging devices? It, It seems like... It seems like this could be confusing for consumers would it not
0: well i think you're right that lightning is kind of positioned as a peripheral device so it's not only data it's also charging i mean that's what they're using for a lot of these things it's just a charging port um with and and you would ask what's the difference of using that what's the what's the benefit of using that over usb because usb is so ubiquitous but there's so many different usbs there's the, the original mini square one there's the Round square one, now they have like the three one, and now they have USB C. Right. So, I mean, there's so many different versions of USB that it's kind of good for Apple to kind of make up their own so that they're selling cables,
1: I guess. Right.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm still smarting just from the 12 inch MacBook. I don't understand the majority of the design decisions they made with that thing USB C being the only port, no MagSafe. Um, you know, why not lightning, right? I mean, I guess it maybe doesn't have the bandwidth capabilities and they kind of see USB-C as the future, but is anybody else selling notebooks with USB-C right now?
0: Uh, they're starting to, PC notebook, uh, notebooks. Um, I think one of the reasons for USB-C is, is instead of lightning is there's more pins and it can support uh, DisplayPort right. output. And I believe it can... Ad- technically support it's going to support a faster usb and also maybe faster firewire i'm not i'm not sure if it does that as well
2: well we now have usb Um, 3.1 lightning in the ipad pro so who knows what that's capable of right we haven't even seen that unlocked really um you can buy a sd card adapter for your ipad pro and that transfers at usb 3.1 speeds but we don't really know what else you could do once they expand to that next generation of USB.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like with all this USB stuff, it, I mean, maybe like in the, in the early two thousands, it was great because that was where the bottleneck bottleneck was. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, what are you going to do? I guess people could attach a NAS or something or, or, you know, external storage. But I mean, Aside from pro video, uh, that, that market where you need ultra-high bandwidth stuff, I mean, what are consumers going to be getting excited about for, you know, uh, really fast transfer speeds?
2: Do you still use he, the SD card slot on your MacBook Pro?
1: No, I have a wireless. Uh, See, I use I my SD card slot all the time because it's so much oh. easier and, more and mm.
2: faster. So I have a full-size SD card. And Mm. I pop it out of my camera, pop it into my Mac, and it's just so much easier because the wireless stuff is junk.
1: Yeah, wireless is pretty bad. Yeah.
2: So it's difficult to get rid of these ports. I mean, that's why I mean micro USB replaced, uh, or I'm sorry, micro SD replaced regular SD on a lot of cameras in the last couple years, especially if a GoPro or whatever. You can't plug that into your MacBook Pro. You have to get an adapter to plug in a full-size SD card, and yet yep. the full-size SD slot is there because it's tough to get rid of this stuff. If Apple got rid of the SD card slot, I would be upset, and a lot of people would be upset.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, going back to the, the high-res audio thing, how do you think they're going to handle, if they do do this, I mean, they're going to have to go through Lightning, what do you think they're going to do about handling... Um, charging when you're listening you know
2: well the way the accessories work now is they're not allowed to draw any power from the iphone because otherwise mm -hmm. it would reduce iphone battery life which is not good so they need to be uh powered on their own however with headphones uh they don't need power to work over lightning i don't think so i think it would just transmit the audio and it worked like a regular set of headphones does now if you had um if you had, you know, noise cancelling headphones or something like that, then that would be different those have to be plugged in to be charged. I mean like uh charging slot. the
1: phone. Like you know, oh, you I mean say charging a, while listening? Yeah. So like simultaneously uh, charging while you listen. I don't know how many people do that. I mean I've done it a couple times. But I mean Maybe a I've,
2: split adapter, you know, like one of those things where uh one goes out for audio and one goes out for power. But I mean that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Just another I was thing thinking, to lose.
1: I mean they did the new
2: yeah, the, the new case, right? Connector.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Smart case so, or so smart charger? So typically, you case. have a
0: battery case. Some of them have a USB port, but if you had a lightning connector, I, I would imagine Apple's does. I haven't actually seen the new one. The the yeah.
2: battery case, yeah. It has a it has a, uh, a yeah. lightning port on it, a female lightning port to yeah. allow you to plug in.
1: It's a
0: so that's a that's a somewhat of a fix, but only for the six, not the.
2: Yeah, plus. like I have the Mophie uh, battery pack, and that. Connects to light through lightning to the phone, but then the battery pack itself recharges through micro USB. But Apple's has the lightning port. You're starting to see 2015 has been like the year of the lightning port for Apple. It's showing up that finally the third party licensees are getting the ability to use female lightning ports for charging. So the first one actually was what Dan mentioned the Steel Series Nimbus controller for Apple TV and iPad. Uh, but there's a few others coming out now. The latest uh, Beats uh, Pill recharges through Lightning. You have the uh, the stuff we talked about earlier: the Magic Mouse, the Magic Trackpad, the keyboard, all that stuff. So you're really seeing Apple kind of double down on Lightning right now. So it, it's 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 interesting since most people thought that it was going to be on the out.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it's, they said they were in it for the long haul when they launched it. Right, Schiller said um, that's. Yeah going to be here for quite some time so get used to it speaking yeah, of yeah. Uh, yeah speaking of uh things that we here in uh america might have to deal with uh, there's a rumor that apple might launch an iphone 6c four inch model uh on china mobile i believe that neil you wrote this story
2: yeah, what happened was uh, China Mobile did some sort of a presentation, I guess, and they showed uh, their calendar outlook for next year. And although I doubt Apple told them anything explicitly, it would seem that China Mobile is expecting a 4-inch uh, iPhone to launch um, in April of next year. So the expectation is March or April. Apple will probably hold a media event, announce a second-generation uh, Apple Watch and also announced a new 4-inch phone. Um, makes sense for a lot of reasons. Um, I think a mid-cycle upgrade would help to calm some of the concerns on Wall Street about the 6S product cycle not driving year-over-year growth, especially later in the, in the product's lifespan uh, as we get closer to an iPhone 7 launch, presumably next fall. So if they did a mid-cycle low-end upgrade, um, it would give them an opportunity to rejuvenate sales halfway through the life cycle of the 6S and also to kind of maybe catch competitors off guard because uh, you got to remember that most of the people competing with the iPhone are trying to do so with lower-end, cheaper models, you know, buy one, get one free kind of deals at your carrier and stuff like that. So if it was a new $450 phone where they replaced the 5S, put a new, uh, higher spec, four inch, uh, model there with, uh, Apple pay and, uh, some of the more, uh, up to date features, better camera, that kind of stuff, new, new look, new design. Uh, I think that could be a pretty good seller for Apple and a way for them to kind of kickstart sales, uh, at that point, which uh, where iPhone sales tend to kind of dip off a little bit.
0: It's interesting that they're positioning it as being coming, you know, starting in China for a couple of reasons. One is April would be after China's New Year season, right? Which is, I mean, the first quarter, first calendar quarter in China is like Christmas in, in the West, um, so that would kind of miss that cycle. Secondly, the all the talk about the six and the six, the six, S and the six Plus, <clears throat> or the, the the larger phone models, um, <laughs> was largely targeted to China that's where a lot of the demand was for bigger phones and part of that is due to the, um, having a, a language that a lot of people write using finger touch mm-hmm. and a bigger screen is a lot more important. Um, in America uh, people kept talking about how Samsung was taking over the phones and they were doing well selling that as something that was differentiated from the iPhone. Um, but at the same time Apple continued to sell the most high-end phones in the West throughout the iPhone 5 cycle. So there's a lot of people who like that smaller cycle. And I've I've listened to people talk about um, one of the things that they say is, when is Apple coming out with a refreshed phone? Because I want I to replace my 5, but I don't want a big phone.
1: Right. Oh, where have I heard that before? <laughs> I feel like I've heard someone on this... Uh on this call. I can't I, didn't mention I it. can't
2: but I can't sacrifice the, the if they're going to if they're going to make it a low end model I can't do it. Can't do it.
0: I no I think that's I mean they already have sort of a low end model that's the 5 right. inch The 5s is, you know, it's it was a nice phone. It's getting a little long in the tooth but it doesn't have some of the important things that Apple's trying to push right now. So, souping that up and bring it on the level of of the 6s, it'd be interesting if they if they do that cuz I think the original presentation they gave, they called it the 7C or something like that?
2: Yeah, I, that was just a, a, a Chinese a, a website named there. it that. I don't yeah. think... Uh, well, it would make no sense to name it that because then they would have to release the iPhone 7 at the same time. And yeah. let's be real, they're not going to release an iPhone 7 in April. This is not going to happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't see any 7C in that Mandarin.
2: Yeah, there I was no last year, number 7 in there. So.
0: I think last year they... I'm trying to remember now the the um, the five C. The color version. Yeah. Didn't they do a bump in the spring? No. Where they like. There no. was some bump where they they refreshed it slightly and it, they, they like gave it more memory. It wasn't like a a big redesign, but it was it was sort of a refresh. Or they it's like they got rid of the eight gig version or something like that.
2: I don't remember that now. Last they year, it, yeah. Yeah, last year the 5C was the the entry-level model. What's interesting to me is the the rumors on the 6C. Some of them have said this new low-end model is going to have the A9 chip in it. And that makes absolutely no sense to me because if you were going to, let's say come April, they update this, the 4-inch phone and they give it the same processor as the 6S. Well, now your entry level $450 phone has a better processor than your mid level iPhone 6, which runs the A8 processor. So I don't buy that rumor, but that's what they, that's what they keep saying. So I, you Although, know,
0: unlike, unlike with PCs, like you buy a Mac, the processor is a pretty big draw because that's one of the most expensive things you can add. Right. Partly because Apple has to pay Intel for the chip. Yeah. So the fact that Apple's making its own, it's making them in quantities of like 20s of millions every quarter. Yeah. It doesn't cost them. There's not a huge cost differential in, I mean, I think the actual cost, if if you look at the estimates, which are not terribly accurate, but it's a difference of like a few dollars. It's not like an Intel chip that costs Apple 50 or a hundred dollars more to have a high end chip. Um, And also when you buy a phone, a lot of the decision that you're making is how big the screen is. And um, some of the, the features on, on that level, mm-hmm. more so than how fast does it run. And really, f- speed on the phone, I, I think it's a really different category than um, with computers, with a desktop computer or a notebook. You see speed dramatically when you're doing Photoshop or, or you're doing something that's you know video that requires a lot of processing power. You have a very clear idea of how much processing power affects your workflow. Whereas on the phone, everything is not only you're not only doing less important things, but you're also there's a lot of uh, graphics that blur away the speed. So you only notice speed being a problem when there's something wrong going on, like if you don't have data signal or something like that, mm-hmm. or something terribly wrong with the phone, you have to crash an app or something. Um, so I think I think it would be in Apple's interest to make their phones as fast as they possibly can afford to manufacture them. Rather than using that as a differentiator.
2: So, do you think that they would just bump up the processor in the mid-range six as well? I mean, they're they're not going to sell an A eight powered six for a hundred dollars more than an A nine powered six C, right? I mean, they're they're not going to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see them selling. Well, if if they only position the smaller phone as being a cheap low end model. I mean, that's what they did with the 6C, but when they were selling, the, or the 5C, when they were selling the 5C, they are also selling the 5S.
2: Right. And so the 5C had the, had the same specs as the 5. Model. It was just...
0: Yeah, so it was like the cheaper model from two years ago or the, you know, good model from one year ago. Right. And now that they only have the previous luxury model 5C or 5S, if they introduced a new model, it would be faster than that. Um, so you maybe, maybe you put the same specs as the, the uh,
2: maybe put the same specs as the 6s in it and charge the same as the six with, for a smaller screen. Maybe don't sell it at 450, maybe sell it at 550.
0: Yeah. So well, I could see it either being like, here's another size on our line of 6s right. phones. Or, you know, if they wanted to make a cheaper model, um, making it artificially slow doesn't seem like the best. Idea. I mean, already Apple gets a lot of flack for selling a 16 gigabyte phone just to have a low end version, which to a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people don't run apps. A lot of people don't care.
2: Um, A lot of this reminds me of uh, last year when they did the iPod touch refresh and they put the A8 processor in there. And so as of last summer, you could buy a iPhone 5S for $550 which had a A7 processor, or you could buy a $200 iPod Touch with a faster A8 processor. Um, So it's not unprecedented. I mean, those are two different product lineups, but they share a lot of the same parts. But in many ways, you got a much better value for your buck last year when the iPod Touch came out if you bought one of those for $200 than buying a full-fledged iPhone. I mean, obviously, you don't have a cellular radio and stuff. But um, I mean, it's not unprecedented. They could do something like that. But I would think that if they were going to put the A nine processor in there, it would not be le- It would not cost less than the iPhone six. Uh, at the very least, they would charge the same amount for them.
0: It'd be interesting to see what they do. I think Apple has to really work hard on. They're doing a really good job of every year coming out with a much faster processor. Yeah. That's kind of leaps and bounds. Is now like scratching the bottom of Intel's business model. Yeah. Or business line with with desktop chips. Um, in the past. Apple has a couple times, especially like in the late 80s and early 90s, had this problem where they were doing so well selling what they had that they that the only cheap models that they had were sort of very old models. Yeah. Like basically reselling stuff from five years ago. And that same level of technology. And if it starts doing that, it's going to leave a, a, an opportunity for somebody else to gain ground. I think they really have to work on making sure that Everything is fast. Does it seem to you like differentiate by something else?
2: Does it seem to you like Apple has trouble focusing on more than one or two things at a time?
0: Well, Apple's growing so much bigger that I think that they can do that. And they used to have a tremendous problem. I mean, remember when they just stopped the development of OS ten, like delayed it for six months <laughs> right. to get the iPhone out? Yeah. It was just like, yep, yeah, we got one one at a time. We can only do and now they're just batching things it's like here's a bunch of new macs here's a bunch of new ipads and then you know in a couple of weeks we're going to come out with you know a new iphone and then we're going to come out with three peripherals so i mean they're, they're a much bigger company um and one of the things that kind of reinforces that fast as possible here's the best product is the apple watch they go they range from you know their entry-level sport model to these you know fifteen thousand dollar <laughs> solid gold it's the same thing technically the, the chips in it are the same yep there 's not one that 's faster, one that 's like doesn 't have as much memory doesn 't work really well it 's they 're as fast as they can be, and they 're differentiated by finish and things that you would go into a car dealership or a Prada bag store or something that 's what they 're differentiated by is kind of luxury finish touches
2: okay so let 's make let's better. make predictions here Apple event in April, new Apple Watch is coming out since you brought that up Mikey Dan. Do you think that Apple will continue to sell the first-gen model at a lower price like they have done with iPhones in recent years? Or do you think they'll do like they did with the first iPad and just kill it and have only a second-gen model?
0: I think having multiple versions, some that are cheaper, um, it's kind of hard to say without knowing how many they're selling.
2: Do you how, think how, that the recent price cuts are? at like Best Buy and B&H and all that are Apple kind of testing the waters to see how they'll sell at two hundred and fifty?
0: Well, there's a, different, there's a couple of different batches of cuts. One is some of these um, boutique retailers that had some small inventory of $10,000 watches, and they're now kind of unloading them at half price. That's yeah. not Apple. That's no. every re- dealer trying to get rid of their stuff. Um, Best Buy selling things for $100 off. Sounds a lot like Target selling iPads for $100 off. They're trying to sell as many as possible. And they're using that as a, a way to get people in their stores. So neither one of those is really like a price cutting to try to sell more. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's, it kind of is, but it isn't.
2: Well, I mean, Apple's got to be getting the metrics on it, right? I mean, they're seeing how much more they're selling at hundred dollars less. I wonder if yeah, they're just I don't testing think the waters. That. Could be.
1: Well,
0: cer- certainly, I mean, there's a lot of information uh, potential to go there. And every time you make a decision of whether you're making something cheaper to sell more volume, the downside of that is you're teaching people that they shouldn't pay more than this for this product category and that's the what? problem you see with pcs and that's the problem you see in smartphones everybody else is just slashing the price and slashing the price and Sam- right. you know, samsung's giving away a phone and two tablets and you know here's your tv <laughs> and it's like well, wait a minute your stuff is just worthless nobody <laughs> was gonna pay full price for that anymore yeah
2: yeah the thing that i hear a lot you know people ask me should i get a watch because i see i got it and there aren't so many out in the wild and the thing i tell everybody is when these things cost under 200 dollars it's gonna be a no-brainer. Everybody should have one. You can use it as your iPod. You can use it, whatever. Especially if it doesn't. If they get to a point where it can operate pretty well without having an iPhone connected to it, under two hundred bucks, it's kind of a no-brainer. Four hundred bucks, three hundred fifty bucks. That's a hard sell for like you know early adopt unless you're an early adopter or something like that. But you know I could see starting next year keep last year's model around. Maybe not hit two fifty. Maybe price it at three hundred or something uh, for for last year's model. I, I would not be surprised if they kept it around. I what, it depends do th-
0: a lot on the functionality. If they do some mm, huge jump in new functionality, yeah. then yeah. I could see. Oh, here's the super fancy one, and here's the here's the basic one that does like what it did last year. Yeah. Then you could sort of see that happening. If it's more of a refinement, I could actually see Apple coming out with an S2 package and opening up your watch and putting in a new one, and it makes it faster and does some other stuff, and the battery lasts longer.
1: Yeah, that's Even what I was like hundred dollar upgrade. Yeah, that's that would what, be super smart. That's what I was thinking when they first came out. Because uh, I mean the, because they have everything on that that one wafer, right? So I mean they can basically, if they wanted to, swap I don't it know.
2: out. If if you break the glass, it they really charge you two fifty or replace it. So I don't think they're going to open it up and swap out the parts. Yeah,
0: but, but I think that glass thing will go down a lot because it used to. Remember, iPhones used to cost a lot of money to fix, and they got it down to where it's like hundred dollars to fix. Yeah, and they can do it on site, full size. Yeah, so I think that's something that that's going to come down with volume. If you also, the, the idea of a watch, there's this sort of, I don't know what the word is, chronological romanticism about watches and handing it down to your children. And the the actual Apple Watch is built really well. It's a really precision device. The outside of it is really nice. It does start to scratch up. Right. But if you if you could bring it in and have them replace the smarts in it, so it just works a lot better. Because the screen is fine. It doesn't need to have a different screen every year.
2: Yeah.
1: True. Um, it, But I don't know if Apple's in the business of upgrading. I think they're more in the business of consumables, right? I mean, something that you want to replace every year.
0: Well, they have been when they've been selling iPods and iPhones. Yeah. Because, on one level, you know, one of the reasons why is the technology jumps so far every year that what they're able to offer is just tremendously better. So they can recycle and resell the, the old ones to other. Markets. I think I think that's what they're doing in India.
2: I, I don't think that they'll do that, but I like where you're going with it, Dan, and I like the idea, especially because it fits in with Apple's narrative of being, you know, green and eco-friendly. They could make this case for, you know, uh, like Mikey's talking about, a company of consumables, all the waste that goes from old devices being tossed out and all the parts that are worthless and or that are, you know, polluting and stuff like that. Um, I think that that would actually fit in with their whole uh, presentation as a company to do something like that. But I don't know. I haven't seen or heard anything that would suggest that they would be able to just swap out the processor so easily. I don't know that it's technically possible. Hmm. I don't know. There
0: was a time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell an old story real quickly. <laughs> <laughs> like in the early 90s, they came out. laser printers were really super expensive because the, the mechanism was so expensive. Right. And they came out with this laser printer that had a board that you could pull out. And at the time, too, a laser printer needed to be... It was faster than a high-end Macintosh. So they sold it with three different boards, and you could buy the cheap one and then upgrade it to this new board, and it would be a, a more functional laser printer. And the reason why that made sense is because the equipment cost so much that it was just kind of stupid to tell people to throw it away or that there's no upgrade path. So with the Apple Watch, they didn't sell it. It wasn't like an iPod where they're selling it for... Um, a little bit more than it would cost to build. I mean, obviously, they had profit margins with the iPods, but it's not sort of a a, a quick sale of a device at, at regular prices. The Apple Watch had kind of a stratospheric price, and it had sort of a pretend price, the, the highest price. You know, it's $15,000 at the high end. That was up there to kind of anchor the price up in the air. So people that bought it were paying more than they would typically pay for something. It was cheap for a watch, but it's kind of expensive for a device, electronic device. So having an upgrade path would be smart. Having a, even a recycling path would be smart. I would be but all about I that. Think, I'd love it. I think having a, a cheap, like like cheapening the product line would be more dangerous than coming out with a new product that was more like the 5C kind of thing where mm-hmm. you have like more of a kid's watch or something that's differentiated that has... Um, maybe the same technology in a a cheaper band aimed Mm. at like kids or something like that would make more sense than selling, oh, here's our last year's watch. Hmm. But, you know, they also sell that with cars. You go into a nice dealership and they have, you know, last year's car and it's still a nice car. Yeah, they hit hit a certain price
2: point by selling models that aren't actually on the lot that don't have air conditioning and stuff.
1: Yeah. So what if they, so, Basically, if they if they did this, which I mean, could it would be tremendously difficult to you know kind of get this going, probably. But so they sell Apple Watch Two, but it's basically on the outside aesthetically the same as one. And I guess what if they offer current Apple Watch owners, so Apple Watch One owners, uh, like a discounted swap out or something yeah, for like the a two hundred dollar upgrade or something. Yeah. I could do that. I don't know. That would know. be that it's, would be interesting.
2: Samsung tried that a few years ago and I don't know how successful it was with their TVs where you buy a new, you know, two thousand dollar TV and then the board on it could actually be removed and swapped out next year for new capabilities and stuff like that. And again, like you're talking about, Dan, a lot of the same kind of idea there where the screen itself is fine. It's gonna last you six or seven years. You don't need to upgrade anything else, but to get some of the new features of the next TV of, you know, whatever for built-in apps and crap like that if you want that junk on your TV. To have that option there is definitely a nice thing.
1: If you use external drives a lot, check out Clean My Drive 2 by MacPaw, the developers of Clean My Mac. Clean My Drive is a free lightweight app that cleans up your drives and keeps them at hand. It works with SD cards, USB drives, pretty much anything that stores files. Here's what you can do with Clean My Drive 2. Clean hidden junk that causes compatibility issues. See how much space is taken up on a drive and what's on them, your drives, and automatically eject all drives when you close your Mac. Go ahead and check out the app at MacPaw.com, that's M A C P A W.com, slash clean my drive. So, this weekend, Charlie Rose, the man referred to as our generation's greatest interviewer. (laughs) He uh, did a special with 60 Minutes, basically an all-things Apple, all-access feature. He interviewed Tim Cook, Johnny Ive, Angela Arendt, and other Apple execs. He got a special special peek into Johnny Ives' secret lab.
2: He even got a look at the unannounced MacBook that was in the background of one of the interview shots.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their general counsel was uh, looking very uh, ominous and uh, right in front of the MacBook that was laid out, laid For those, of you,
2: for those of you listening who don't know what we're talking about, uh, Apple fans are op- obviously very uh, excitable. And any that there's like a look inside Apple's headquarters or something, we always get emails and tips from people who are convinced that something in the background was an unannounced Apple product. And so the, th- the story this last week was after the 60 Minutes interview, there was what was very clearly a 12-inch MacBook in the background of one of the shots. And everyone was convinced that it was way too big to be a 12-inch MacBook. And it had to be a brand new MacBook Pro that Apple just left laying in the background when they let in 60 Minutes cameras. It's like, okay, yeah. Yeah, and then kick them out from the kind of like meeting. That, I don't know.
0: Like the moon on the horizon, you know how it looks much bigger. <laughs> yeah. I think that behind his head, it was just like it looked. Yeah. You know, when you first saw it, I was like, "Really? How would how would Apple have done that?" And you are like, "Oh no, that's a that's a MacBook."
2: <laughs> yeah, it had an edge to edge keyboard on it. Which, unless you know, they decided to make a keyboard for giants, uh, I don't think that it was a larger MacBook. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I think I. Well, who started that? The. Didn't BuzzFeed
2: start that or something? I have oh, something no idea. Like that. We got a bunch of emails about it. But we get those things all the time.
1: So so what did you, I mean, I was kind of interested to see Johnny Ives' lab, of course. Um, right, yeah. It showed a bit more than we've seen before uh, as far as uh, the number of people that are working down there, which was pretty impressive. Um,
0: and that they'd all been working as a team for a very long time together and nobody
2: leaves.
1: Yeah, That's right, right. Um, and of course they did the dramatic, we're going to cover these tables with black cloths instead of just removing the few <laughs> items from view. Yeah. Uh, it would have been
0: very Apple, that's what they do.
1: It would have been great <laughs> if uh rose pretended like he fell down, grabbed one of the, uh, grabbed one of the cloths, <laughs> took it with him,
2: started having a heart attack. Whoops, yeah. <laughs> my bad, so, my bad.
1: So Dan, what was your what was your favorite part of that that interview uh of all the interviews?
0: Uh it was kind of interesting to see a range of different executives talking about what they thought was sort of interesting about what they do. And uh like the hardware guy talking about how divine design was like brought all these people together and it was like this tenth of a millimeter in our products, a sacred kind of concept. Oh, Riccio, and Dan Riccio, Yeah, <laughs> Dan. And then, um, you know, Phil Schiller talking about, I, I thought it was kind of weird that he's talking about how sort of um, product cannibalization is not a problem.
1: It's like built they intentionally
0: in. Intentionally make the the phone. Yeah, they make the phone better, so you don't want an iPad, and they want to make the iPad better, so you don't want a computer. And um, I mean, it's really clear that they made the iMac I better, so you don't want a Mac Pro. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but the other examples, I'm not not so sure about. Um, so it was, it was kind of interesting how they express themselves, and kind of gives a little bit of insight into what they're thinking, even if you already know. But it was int- it was a very kind of like here we're showing the public something to to kind of counteract the the just 24/7 made up nonsense channel yeah. that is just mm. con- constantly saying things about Apple that are just so ridiculous. And I think the biggest thing right now is everyone's talking about how iPhone sales are going to you know like we've reached peak iPhone and iPhones are going to stop growing. And so what?
1: Because well, I mean, Wall Street obviously cares you about need growth to cr-
2: that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: but Apple Apple is selling all of the premium phones. I know. No, Samsung they need to down. grow. Sam, Samsung is going down. There's no other competitors. There's no other competitors anywhere. At some point, yes, Apple will. I don't think Apple's going to stop this year. But at some point, Apple's going to be selling so many phones that they're going to run out of people who are, you know, moderately affluent right. in the world, and they still have a couple huge countries to go. They have um, India. They're just starting and they're, they're making progress in India. Um, there, there's barely any, um, barely have started though. China, they're doing pretty good progress in China, but the, the amount of people in China, like I've, I've read about China and the population of, of these various cities and it's, it's almost like hard to conceptualize, but having gone there and just seeing just a, a bit of it this spring, the scale of people... And the scale of people that are going from crazy poverty, like feudal poverty, to being middle-class people that buy things is tremendous. And when people talk about, oh, you know, they're dialing back some of their infrastructure spending, and China is no longer, you know, just building all these airports and roads and high-speed trains, that's all pressuring the economy to, to stop being on complete fire. Well, America stopped doing that a long time ago. And look how many iPhones we sell here. Apple went through the biggest recession in, in the recent, you know, in 2008. You know, the economy just went into the tank, and all these projects stopped. Vegas stopped building. Um, you could see it in, in almost every city in America that was growing. It just suddenly stopped. But iPhones didn't stop. The iPhone was two years old, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Apple sold more stuff in 2008. And, and yet, even though Steve Jobs was running the show, the stock tanked. It, went, it fell in half. And you had all these analysts, the same people that are saying, oh, the iPhone is reaching the peak, were back they didn't saying macroeconomic conditions. Every, they just kept saying that over and over and over again. That's why no one's going to buy iPhones because they're expensive. And they were wrong. And how many times do you have to be wrong before people say this is a source that's consistently wrong? Right. And instead it's like, no, we better, we better listen to what they're saying because it's going to be a problem if Apple sells all the phones it can sell.
2: Well, can make
1: well. We had a year after uh, year after year. we had one of the the analysts this week. Uh, right, Neil FBR cut their iPhone 6s estimates.
2: Yeah, the thing is, uh, the analysts are still very positive and very bullish on Apple's long term prospects. It's just that a number of Apple suppliers have indicated going into 2016 that they're cutting their estimates, and so uh, for some of these companies, Apple does is responsible for the majority of their business which has led to kind of a short-term panic, uh, for lack of a better word, on Wall Street. So this week it was FBR Capital that uh, cut their iPhone estimates. Uh, Daniel Ives is their analyst, um, and he sees Apple selling 75.5 million iPhones in the the December quarter, current quarter, which is about to conclude, which would be a new record and would be year-over-year growth. But he actually sees... Um, sales falling in the preceding March quarter. He sees uh, 52 million iPhone sales in the March 2016 quarter. So he's concerned, like a lot of other people on Wall Street, that the iPhone 6S is not going to grow sales like the iPhone 6 did, and he's kind of holding out hope for the iPhone 7. Um, like Dan said, it's kind of ridiculous, but um, here we are. Um, and and FBR is not the only one that has uh, cut their estimates recently. Um, RBC Capital Markets also did, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley... Um, And they're all still advising that people buy into Apple stock, but they're just saying that in the near term, they see iPhone sales either flattening or declining compared to last year. The concern is you have tough comparisons from last year because it was the first time Apple sold bigger screen iPhones, and so sales were huge compared to the year before with the 5S. So uh, a lot of people on Wall Street are thinking the 6S, because it looks identical to the 6, won't sell as many um, as as last year. Uh, right. Apple has has said that there's a lot of room for growth, particularly people that haven't upgraded to larger screen phones. I think uh, in the last uh, con- uh, conference call after their quarterly earnings, Tim Cook said that something like 30% of mm-hmm. uh, iPhone mm-hmm. owners had upgraded to larger screens. So there was a lot of room for growth with upgraders. But um, despite comments from Tim Cook saying that he sees growth continuing uh, for the for the short term, uh, Wall Street does not currently agree.
1: Because Wall Street is always right.
2: <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I, but let I mean,
1: if. Let, let me if just it, say one thing. Let me just say one thing.
2: We get a lot of complaints from our readers who say, why are you covering this? Why are you covering this? This is nonsense. Why are you covering this? Well. A lot of our readers invest in Apple stock or in the stock market or whatever. We have a large number of readers are into that stuff and these analyst notes that come out actually affect the stock price. So whether or not we like it, whether or not I personally like it, it is newsworthy. Uh, We don't cover every analyst note that comes in either. Sometimes we don't find them newsworthy so we don't cover them. But if a major major firm like RBC cuts their estimates on uh, Apple, then we have to cover it because that's our obligation as a news organization. Now, someone in the comments uh, tried to take me to task on this one saying that basically insinuating the reason the stock goes down is because I write about that stuff. Now, I I don't (laughs) don't have that much that much power and that much influence over the stock market. I don't invest in Apple stock at all because I write about it. And it would be unethical for me to write about Apple stock and also invest in it from my perspective. So I don't. Um, But I, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't really care. Um, I can tell you that Wall Street is ridiculous, and their interest in contra- constant growth is stupid and awful, and it's a—it's a basically a joke there. But it doesn't change the fact that it's newsworthy, and that these notes coming out are newsworthy. That's just a fact.
1: Yeah, I mean the whole thing about analysts and the Wall Street and uh, the Wall Street and Wall Street—hundred years old. <laughs> the Wall Street. <laughs> uh, no, it's—it's uh, it's weird because uh, people feel are. Consumers or who don't aren't investing, they separate those two things. But Apple is a public company, and these notes and this analysis is very important for you know that very important part of Apple's business, which is as a publicly traded company, and it has very real real world impacts. It's not like these. I feel like sometimes uh, people think that analysts are just throwing out numbers.
2: Um well, let's and, be real. They are. Well,
1: but it's let's based on it's based on some No, these are, are fake these right. are
2: fake numbers. So let's be real.
1: <laughs> I guess so.
2: All right, look, here, let's go back to this. FBR Daniel Ives sees 75.5 million iPhones in the current December quarter. Based on what?
1: His poll of 318 to 35-year-olds that and did. then
2: in March, he see, he his previous estimate was sixty million for March. By the way, a quarter that we have not even entered yet, not one phone has been sold for the March quarter. His previous estimate was sixty million iPhones. Now he cut it to fifty-two million. Why?
1: Yeah, where did it come well, from? Well, I mean, the their statistical projections, of course. Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, I, it's there's, it's there's also a lot of these. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan.
0: There's a lot of this information that um, there's a comment that I can't remember who said it, but said information is really valuable up until it's reported. And talking about journalism, right. and then once it's reported, it's worthless. And there's a lot of information that, if it were actually true and and valuable, nobody would be reporting it because they would be acting on it themselves before they report it. Like, right. like Wells Fargo got in trouble for, or Citibank, or whoever it was. Um, but the 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 flip side of that is when people are making a really big point of sharing some information. It's often in their interest to have that information shared, and what I find more in the short-term stock market is very much a lot of this trying to basically outwit other people in terms of investing in a in a short-term thing and in some like little news thing that changes, and it doesn't really matter over the long term. Um, where what I find more more annoying in terms of like the noise of of garbage information about Apple isn't stuff that's manipulating the stock as much as False equivalency and phony problems. So when you come out, when you compare the iP- um, iPad Pro with Microsoft Surface, and then act like they're identical products that are going to sell in identical or, or you know similar quantities, and then you throw in you know Google's uh, Chrome C Pixel.
1: Thing. It like a, Pixel, it was like C.
0: a it was like a Chromebook tablet that they last minute threw Android on. It's complete. Joke. Yeah, they're, they have never sold any Nexus and/or Chrome devices in significant quantities, apart to the stuff they're dumping on schools.
1: And also, they've never of made that, any money on it. Yeah, and also part of that is uh, rumor mongering. Like, I mean, things that are out of Apple's control, obviously, like the 6C would be a good example. I mean, if they if they do release it and it's, it's low powered and not up to you know snuff for some people then they lose and if they don't release it people who wanted it are going to say oh no that was a big mistake so i, I don't know
0: well i think the projections and stuff like that is interesting it's like what what could possibly happen you know this is you know reason why like what we're talking about
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but when you take things that are are not the same and you see a lot of especially review sites online that talk about you know talk about the iPhone and, and other flagships from companies like stuff that's sold in China that's completely would be illegal anywhere else in the world because it's a complete ripoff <laughs> and acting like that they're similar products and that you know everyone should be selling with this kind of razor margin because that's what's fair is and it's like no you're just a communist and you don't <laughs> care about anybody's IP you know it's like you're it's just such a facile argument right that's the kind of stuff that annoys me is like just People who have no sense, you know. It's like when they talked about file sharing, and it was like, "Yeah, sure, you, could, you should steal music, and the industry should just like come up with a new business model." I'm like, "What a stupid opinion!" <laughs> it's <laughs> that kind gonna- of stuff that annoys me. That's what gets me real upset. All right,
1: before before Dan explodes on the other <laughs> end of this, uh, call, uh, I'm
0: fuming. I'm fuming.
1: <laughs> back to the back to the 60 Minutes thing, real quick. I just wanted to point out um, that I also found it quite interesting. To see Angela Arenttz talk about the um, the new Apple store Gen two or next gen Apple stores I've never been in one, but um they do look nice and it is interesting to see how they're kind of revamping that retail feel mm-hmm. i i don't do you think it's going to be a successful move for them to kind of move towards this um, uh, more upscale kind of uh Vibe. I mean, in one, uh, I think in one clip, and uh, she was uh, she was showing uh, Rose like a like a installation of what looked to be ferns on a wall. Like it was like a living wall. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they're doing that kind of stuff. Natural which is,
2: lighting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. But what is it? Is it the change that Apple stores need? Is the question? I think
0: that they need some change because when you go to them, there's they have some really cool retail palaces around the world. I, I've been like checking out everyone that I could on when I go on vacation, and they have some really cool stores like the one in, in Stanford, and um, they just built a one in Portland that's kind of similar. It's like that, that steel roof with the glass wall all the way around it. There's one in Japan. There's one in um, in the south of France, and they're building a bunch of. The ones in China that just have this huge wall of glass with sort of a cantilevered first floor that sort of hangs in the air. There's a lot of buildings that are really cool, but they feel really cold and sterile. They feel like steel and glass, and they're very man.
1: So and very Johnny. I think bringing, I think
0: bringing in somebody. Well, it, I think it's kind of pre-Ive. It's it's more um,
1: Jobs. Jobs slush. I think
0: Jobs had a lot of influence over it, yeah. and it was it was cool. It looked futuristic at the time. It looks needs more kind of Corinthian leather. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but and it had like the wood tables that had kind of a earthy effect, and and he you know picked out the most expensive slate flooring kind of things, but they were very hard and cold
1: and sort of masculine. That's why the plants but, are there, though. I guess I
0: think what she's bringing in is a more um, nuanced feel of a variety of things. So you have the, you know, greenery kind of plant walls. You have a different, more flattering lighting panel. We're talking about the um, lighting that they're using that kind of makes things feel nicer. And I think when you add in a lot of those kind of things and you change the feel, it has a sort of progressive effect when you're shopping in a store and it, it feels like there's a lot of people that have had input on this. It's not just one person's sense of thing.
2: Isn't you their biggest issue going like to be these the mall stores, though, where they can't really do as much of that stuff?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the flag stores that are, are more exciting, and then the other stores are, you know, they can change them and update them a little bit. But I think they're changing a lot of their, like, a lot of the stores they're building are in China are these massive stores, The building their, the new store they're putting into San Francisco, um, it was originally a flagship. Um, It was kind of a a smaller one. They're building one of these kind of China's feeling, you know, large monolith of glass Mm -hmm. kind of stores. I've been like on vacation, all the ones that I've seen, they seem to be really well placed. So there's a lot that are just kind of, you know, whatever malls, but there's so many Apple stores that are in just one of the most beautiful places of an area.
1: Did you see that uh, rendering for the Houston? I think was it Houston, somewhere in Texas. Yeah, the one on the river. Yeah, that's right. Really, they, they look. Or Chicago. Was it Chicago? Well,
0: there's one. There's one along uh, the river in Chicago that I was looking at. It's right, kind of next to the Wrigley Building, kind of along the river. Oh. It's like a interesting wall of glass. I Think we did a story on it.
1: Yeah, I like the. Uh, I mean, the architecture is interesting.
2: Well, I'm in Orlando right now, and I have three mall stores here in the area, and they're all well, terrible. And it's a fitting,
1: nightmare. fitting.
0: <laughs> well, people in Florida don't really yeah. care.
2: Yeah, like. For, right.
1: Florida is not Apple's. <laughs> well, and it, it's Florida, Christmas man, Eve, I'm driving to over store. to
2: Tampa later, and there is one store in the entire Tampa Bay area, which is the second largest metropolitan area in the state of Florida, one of the largest states in the country. And you got to drive if you're like in St. Pete, you got to drive all the way out to Tampa to go to the Apple store. What are you doing, Apple? Come on.
1: Maybe they really don't want floridians to Pants. have the products in their hands <laughs> going to the
2: mall stores is a absolute nightmare it is a nightmare it is just crowded you, even if you have an appointment you have to wait 30 minutes for somebody to come help you uh, the whole experience has gone from being pretty good to by no fault of apples just the size of the company and how many people it attracts like like flies to a to a light uh, they just go in there and they want to play with all the toys and going to the Apple store used to be a fun experience for me. And now I just want to get out as soon as possible.
1: Yeah. I, I avoid Apple stores at all costs.
0: In addition in addition to the, like, the changes that she's making, though, she's also doing a lot of work that's, that a lot of people haven't noticed. It's very much about um, procedure and making sure that things that are just stupid, like why is this happening? She right. just fixes it. One of the things I noticed, I, I had a client send me in. Um, it was like a year or two ago. And he ordered something from the store, and I was just going to go by and pick it up for him. And I go to the store, and someone, you know, concierge rushes up and is like, what can we do for you? And I sat there for, like, 20 minutes, and it's like, I could have, like, picked up this stuff myself and checked out faster. She's just like, what is going on? And I was talking to somebody in retail, and they said, yeah, one of the things that she's fixed is making sure that doesn't happen. Or, you know, putting it in place so that that... If somebody comes in to pick something up, that's a priority that that gets fixed, which is kind of one of those, duh, why not? But anytime you work in a company or work in a retail situation, you have to have somebody identifying problems like that and then showing people how to fix them so that that doesn't happen. So there's a lot of really important invisible things that she's fixing too.
2: And one even of the one, mall one of the really interesting things to me is their growing partnership with Best Buy, which I kind of see as, you know, Apple saying, "Well, we're not going to build any more mall stores. We don't need to serve that market directly. Let's just do this store-within-a-store pr- approach with Best Buy that'll let us reach those pockets where we don't really want to be anymore." Because, I mean, they're not going to build any more mall stores. It's all going to be flagship stores from here on out. They're getting out of that business. They can't close up the mall stores that they already have. But they're just not interested in serving that market. So this growing partnership with Best Buy is an easy way for them to address it without really going down that road.
1: Yeah, right. Right. Speaking of toys and looking at them, uh, Neil, you had a first look at the uh, Game Vice for iPhone 6 and 6S, I believe.
2: I actually had a review that we published today, um, and that is in the show notes if you would like to see it. Uh, yeah, so the Game Vice was one of those products. The company reached out to me and, and showed me a photo of it, and I was like, "Well, this thing is kind of interesting. It's really unlike anything else on the market right now." Um, so a few years ago, when Lightning, or I'm sorry, when iPhone compatible controllers came out, uh, they were capable of being done in two designs. You can have an entirely wireless design, Bluetooth. And then you could have uh, some sort of a connected design through a lightning connector. So, a couple of the early options from companies like Moga and Logitech were connected through lightning, but obviously that kind of limits you in terms of the size of the phone you could fit it in there. So, if you bought a $100 Moga Ace Power a couple of years ago, and then when you got an iPhone 6, it doesn't fit anymore, and your $100 is worthless. So, uh, we haven't seen a lot of lightning connected controllers since those first couple, which were overpriced and didn't sell very well. Uh, this new one came out from a company I'd never heard of before. They're called Game Vice, uh, and they sent along uh, their controller to review. It's priced at $100, but it's lightning-connected, so you don't need Bluetooth. It um, has an integrated battery that powers it, Um and you can charge your phone and the device at the same time, plugging it through micro USB. Uh, it has a unique design that it accommodates both the iPhone 6 and 6S and the 6S Plus and 6 Plus. So, all four of those phone models can fit the larger one and the smaller one. Um, I liked a lot about this uh, device. It has two different uh, plastic pieces to it on the left and right side uh, that kind of clamp around the phone itself. Uh, and those two on the backside are connected by, uh, something called the flex bridge, which kind of sends the power and circuitry between the sides and stuff like that. Um, and it works, uh, pretty well. It's relatively comfortable. It folds up, uh, not really pocketable, but you could throw it in a bag. Um, and I like the design and it's like I said, it's unlike anything else I've ever seen. Uh, at a hundred dollars, it's just too expensive, um, You know, you can get the uh, Steel Series, uh, uh, not the Stratus, but the, uh, what's the other Steel Series, one Dan and I have checked out. I mentioned it Yes, the Nimbus. Um, And that's $50. Now, it doesn't have a lightning connector, and it doesn't hold your iPhone, but it's great with an iPad or an Apple TV. Um, This controller, uh, one of the things I was excited to check out with it was a feature that Apple has had available since iOS 8 which is called controller forwarding. So controller forwarding is supposed to allow you to take a lightning connected controller and kind of maximize your value of it because if it connects to lightning then it won't work with your iPad and other stuff because it'll only fit on your phone, right? So controller forwarding says, well plug the control into your phone and then it'll wirelessly connect to your iPad when a compatible game is launched or your Mac and allow you to control that. So I was excited to check this out because I hadn't had a lightning connected controller since iOS 8 launched. Well, it turns out that uh, controller forwarding does not work at all. And so I, I guess it's kind of like, you know, uh, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to, for, for it to happen, does it make a sound? Uh, if an iOS feature is broken and no one has ever used it, does does anybody know? Uh, I don't know that anybody owns any lightning connected controllers because there's so few on the market and none of them before this one fit the iPhone six. So honestly, I'm not even sure if Apple knows this feature is broken, but I could not get it to work with any game. I launched multiple controller compatible games on my iPad pro running the latest uh, version of iOS. I had an iPhone 6 running the latest version of iOS. Most games did not even display the option to connect. If they did display the option to connect it either would not connect or said it was connected and then the controller did not work so i have no idea what the heck is going on with this controller forwarding feature in ios but as of ios 9.2 or whatever on now uh, it just does not work at all i could not get it to work so i like this product um as as an accessory but at hundred dollars and without controller forwarding support from apple it's a really hard sell. Um, I think you're better off getting the MadCats controller, which you can get for like 35 bucks and has a clamp to hold your iPhone, or even the MOGA Rebel, which has a built-in clamp that extends out. That one's a little pricier at 80 Um Considering the availability of games that have controller support and stuff, you're probably better off going with the cheap MadCats model for like 35 bucks on Amazon. $100 for this. If you really want a lightning-connected design and, and clamshell thing that it's got, um, and you don't mind the price, I think you'll be happy with it. But for most consumers, hundred dollars is too much for this.
0: How do the controllers feel compared to like so, like the Nimbus, like the standalone?
2: The Nimbus feels so like a solid feel. The Nimbus feels the best of the ones that I've tested. Um, they've gotten better. Some of the earlier ones were a little, you know, the plastic would kind of move and they're a little janky and stuff like that. Uh, this one is a pretty solid construction. I was I was kind of surprised because a I'd never heard of Game Vice and you know you just assume some upstart company or whatever, but it's well built um, and it snaps onto the phone very securely and it wasn't didn't have like a lot of wiggle. It felt good in my hands. My my main problem with the controller was um, all the Apple controllers that are ha- the Apple sanctioned controllers that have the, the full array of buttons have trigger buttons on the back. And like the Nimbus, for example, you can pull it a little bit or you can pull it a lot uh, more deeply on the trigger. And when you're playing like a racing game, for example, that might allow you to go faster or slower. Uh, The triggers on this have absolutely no range to them. It's just a button. You just either press it or you don't. And considering the size of the controller, I'm not sure why it doesn't have, like this isn't like a microcontroller or anything like that. And again, if you pay 35 bucks for the Mad cats controller, that's a mini controller, and it still has triggers that kind of have some flex to them. So the, the buttons itself I was pretty happy with. I was disappointed with those triggers. But other than that, the joysticks and the D-pad, the face buttons, the construction, really well made. And uh, the design of it where the, the flex bridge kind of folds up like an accordion, and then the backs of the controllers stick to each other magnetically. So it's kind of like a compact thing you can throw in a bag. Really cool design, um, and unlike anything else that's out there.
1: Cool. Well, one last uh, thing that uh, you all can uh, listen to, starting, well, it'll be out by the time this show's out, is uh, Beatles streaming on Apple Music and pretty much everywhere else. Um, And with that, we wish you a uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays or Festivus, Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you uh, (laughs) may celebrate. And with us today... Neil Hughes, where can uh, we find you on the intrawebs, Neil?
2: Uh, you can read me at Apple Insider, and I'm on Twitter at This Is Neil.
1: Dan, how about you?
0: I'm on Apple Insider, of course, and my Twitter is Daniel Aaron, E R A N.
1: All right, and I'm Mikey Campbell. You can read me on Apple Insider or Twitter at Mikey Campbell eighty one, and that's about it for this week. Until next week, this was the Apple Insider podcast.